0: Bucks in deep. I like it. These guys are jerks. Fucks in deep. Bless you, boys. Young men expressing themselves. Unbelievable. Fucks in deep. Put it in deep. Tatar snatched it back and then got belted by Army. Here comes McDavid the other way. Splits defenders to the net. We shot, score. Connor. B. Coast, coast and
1: Edmonton's it's first lead of the night,
2: 2-1. Lead pass to Marner.
0: Marner runs it back to Matthews. In-shoot scores! Austin Matthews does a miss, and it's 5-2. 40 goals of the year for
1: Austin Matthews. Leon Dreisaitl
0: starts it off for the Oilers. Oh. Here's the zone with speed, all the way to the net, and he scores! What a play! What a goal! Leon Dreisaitl! Rattled on further, it comes to Cogliano for a shot for
2: Puck deep, puck pucks in deep, can never go wrong with getting pucks in deep. Just put the puck deep, get pucks out, get pucks deep, pucks in deep, pucks in deep.
1: Puck deep. Pucks deep. deep. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back, Pucks in Deep podcast episode eighty-eight. Eric Lindros, right? Brent Burns, sure. There's got to be more that I'm William embarrassed. William Nylander. William Nylander. There you go. All right, it's fantasy week here on the Pucks and Deep Podcast. How stoked would you be, Lesko, to have any of those players that you heard
0: in that intro on your team? Lindros must have been a, like a fantasy beast. <laughs> well, he wasn't he, in the highlight 100, reel. Hundred points, hundred pims. Oh, oh, huge stat stuffer. Fight, right? Huge stat play, stuffer. I All right, listen. Go ahead. Like like i don't know call a drupal threat from a stat standpoint if could conca- how did one do if- fancy drafts back before we had like yahoo and shit like is this some nerd with a spreadsheet oh like, well we'll whoever ran
1: it we'll have to ask nick alberga who i believe joins us now here on the pucks and d podcast
2: you got us nick i'm good to go fellas how are you all right man good to hear your voice my friend how you been Not too bad, hanging in there, getting set for the uh, start
1: of the season next Tuesday. How about you guys? Sweet, man. Same. Same deal, getting over the Jays' uh, depressing loss. Toronto
2: sports teams, am I right? Mm, I know. (laughs) I know. And especially the way the season ended, that September they had, and the fact that there were 20 games over five hundred. I thought they'd squeak in, eh?
1: Yeah, it seems like a harsh penalty, but it is what it is. Uh, Let's go ask an interesting question just as the phone was ringing there, Nick. Uh, He said, what did people do before Yahoo and, you know, automated draft, you know, drafts for your hockey pools and keeping track of who's in first? Like
2: it would have been done with a pen and a paper, right? correct it would have been done manually and and for matter of fact i know a lot of people in the industry um you know from various places i've worked have been doing pools for 30 35 40 years i i think that's sort of the grassroots right where you put everything to paper and that's how you manage things and technology has certainly skyrocketed in say the last 15 years but yeah i've always thought about that too because like you guys i've been playing yahoo for a long 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 time and i also always wondered why there hasn't been sort of you know, a next best thing, if you will. I watch wrestling. It's like AEW coming out to compete potentially with WWE. Why isn't anything else? And with all due respect to ESPN and other entities, why has anybody else come out with something similar, right?
1: Yeah, you you think that there would be some competition, but I mean, I feel like Yahoo just knocks it out of the park. Mm -hmm. I I wonder, Nick, uh, and maybe you've already done this, correct me if I'm wrong, but maybe an interesting piece might be to... Dive into and do a nice journalistic investigation into the origins of fantasy sports. Like, how did it start? Obviously, it started with some guy in a bar saying, I bet you, I bet you this guy is going to be better than that guy. And then, sure enough, it said, Well, I want a piece of that action because I think this other guy is going to be better than both your guys. And then all of a sudden, you had a
2: fantasy pool, right? It's funny how everything always seems to stem back to gambling, right? <laughs> and the craze we see in, in this day and age and how things are going from a betting point of view in Canada and the States and throughout the world. And honestly, that has to be where it started, where you know two individuals or multiple individuals wanted to put sort of their money where their mouth was. And, and lo and behold, we have fantasy sports, which I, I just think is so tremendous as somebody who's played it for as long as I have to sort of have that mean. And also... I think it's a fan's closest ability to be able to be a general manager, right? And somebody running a team. Uh, We always love to play, you know, shotgun GM um, and armchair GMs, uh, you know, playing video games or stuff like that. And to have the ability to do that and assemble your own roster, I think is really appetizing for many people.
0: Yeah, I think it's a lot of fun. Nick, now, do you get involved in any daily fantasy? Or you, speaking of gambling, is that something you've taken into an interest into? I, I know you're really high on the, the fantasy side of things. So I wonder if that like an avenue that you're starting to lean into a little bit.
2: Yeah, certainly the last couple of years, I would say I got way more into DFS. Even a lot of the information I put out there via sportsnet.ca, you know, is is circled around, we'll say, daily fantasy. And I have hopped on sort of to various, uh, you know, fantasy websites like Daily, um, excuse me, like DraftKings and FanDuel to see what it's about. And, you know, I just, you know, I like playing it, but I do also subscribe to the fact that there's a lot of uh people who are not playing properly or correctly if you know what i'm saying out there so do i really want to give my money to an entity like that when i know i'm unlikely to win um i, I think it's intriguing uh I- i'm curious to see where it goes from a dfs point of view but certainly from a betting point of view i've been playing uh, quite a bit over the last decade we'll say but i i don't know about you guys i think hockey's really really difficult becoming more and more difficult to handicap how do you guys feel about oh, it absolutely like it's it's you know, it feels like a lot of
0: sports, you know, there's, there's a clear-cut favorite. And it's just, we know, I think, being people who watch hockey so prolifically that there's just not, anything can happen. You know, puck off a guy's ass, um, start player gets injured. I, it just seems that there's so many different factors and, and a randomness and all the reading and research that I've done on hockey tells you the same thing. The first advice they give you on betting on hockey is don't.
2: No, you're right. Like it just, especially now with back-to-backs and analytics and you know tandem systems being sort of the story of the day in the NHL world these days, it's just so hard to quantify what team you're going to get on any given night. And I do truly believe, even with teams like Arizona and and Ottawa and Buffalo clearly vying for the first overall pick this upcoming season, that any team can beat any team on any given day. And that's what I think you have to love about the sport. But not so much if you're into gambling and betting.
1: We're with Nick Alberga here on the Pucks and D Podcast, episode 88. Thanks. Also, uh, you know, again, uh, Nick, for joining us here. An interesting uh, thing I see on your Twitter here, because you know I like to go over to the old Twitter account and just be like, all right, what's <laughs> what, what's he what's he selling? You know, what's he selling? Okay, I do this, I do that. Uh, I shot a sixty-nine and the or Islanders, whatever. You know, like you're, you're normally like sixty-nine. Yeah, you're, nice. Uh, you know, you're always selling something, right? And and it says on your bio, "Be right back." So I can introduce you as a Sportsnet contributor for fantasy hockey. Um, obviously had some really great articles that I've been putting some time into over the last week or so here, the top 250 fantasy plays, which I want to ask you about later on in the show. Uh, and of course your NHL fantasy hockey sleepers. So what, uh, you know what, Nick, I did want to say too, as, as a, on a personal note, as, as a good friend and, and fan of yours, like I am, uh, I'm really disappointed that you're not going to be on uh, Leafs nation uh, I, th- I thought you did really good work on there and I was looking forward to another season of listening to you. So uh, I'm disappointed to hear that you won't be there, but what do, what do you got going on on the back burner, Nick? you have anything uh, coming up for, for some work or are you just an, an, a pretty attractive free agent out there?
2: Appreciate the sentiments first and foremost. And the last couple of years have been a lot of fun alongside Gord Stelic on the Leafs nation coverage. And as we all know by now, uh, you know, things didn't work out and sort of in free agency right now and you know it, it'll be exciting to see what happens over the next little while as you know i like to keep things spicy and fun and exhilarating on my social media i had the uh, the eye emoji the the double eye emoji for a while uh now i got <laughs> b right back i think under construction could be coming soon <laughs> um nothing to report just yet but i think uh, i would keep my ears peeled my eyes peeled for a bit more of me uh you know over the next couple months we'll see but uh Uh, I'm very optimistic. I'm positive in in what I can bring to the table. And as you mentioned, I'll continue to do some stuff here for Sportsnet, uh, especially when it comes to fantasy hockey, uh, continuing to be their lead fantasy hockey uh, contributor and putting out sort of a a couple weekly pieces. So you haven't heard the last of Nick Alberga. That's as far as I'll I'll go right now. The
1: golden muzzy will continue to twitch at some (laughs) point, right? Uh, I heard you on uh, serious. Uh, xm nhl network radio channel 91 uh was it last or no early yeah early last week right i think you were on mm-hmm. with boomer um yeah i heard I, I heard you on um i think it was an nhl fantasy on ice if i want to yep. yeah so you've been doing yep. quite a few hits man to add this one to your list as well probably right at the top obviously but no big mm-hmm. deal well, sure. uh you know how many uh how, mon- how much how many hours have you put into this nick come on
2: be honest um, from the fa- the fantasy stuff, yeah, fantasy. Um, well, to to put it into context, I started my top two hundred and fifty uh, around the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. <laughs> oh, wow. so, okay, that that was sort of the preliminary beginning of my top two hundred and fifty, and and you know, it's interesting how it's derived and and what I put into it. Um. Obviously, I take into account what happened last year. There's projections involved. Uh, you know, contract years, big signings, changing teams, trades. Like, there's a lot that goes into it. So, I like to have at least on paper in an Excel file. You know, you know, before the season comes to an end and, and I get ready for summer. You know, what it's going to look like, and then as the off season progresses, moves are made. Uh, th- that's when I start to fine tune the whole situation. So. Uh, you know, to answer your question, quite a few hours, but it's one of those things where I love doing it, so I really don't think about the time it consumes. Right? Yeah, it's
1: it's not so much work as it is just. I, I get well, it's fun, right? It must be fun. Uh, I know, I know, I do a lot of homework myself, like just. I I'm, I'm in a keeper pool and there's some interesting rules that, you know, determine how many guys you can keep and how long you can keep them. So the draft is always kind of turning over and, and I like to look into the future and and try and say, like, all right, listen, 2024 draft is going to be big because, <laughs> you know, assuming assuming these, you know, eight guys are, are all kept uh, during that time period, you know, maybe I want to go for it a couple of years in a row, sell some picks and then plan on that year, maybe being a reset year and, and then I can get a great, great player on a pick and I think like you said earlier Nick, it really does give you that opportunity to feel like you're being a GM in pro sports, it's definitely not pro sports but it's against your buddies and it's for their money, <laughs> you know leaving their pocket and going into mine you know, so it really adds that that extra layer so it becomes fun but I, I did want to ask you on your two hundred. At some point, though, like, does that not get difficult for you to get all the way down to 250? Or do you start
2: at 250? Like, how does that work for you? How do you line that up? Honestly, I I don't find it that difficult. And for many who know me, like I'm the guy watching like Minnesota and Columbus on a Sunday afternoon because I despise football. Like hockey is everything to me. I'm a baseball guy too, but I'm constantly in overdrive thinking about hockey. So, which means I'm constantly looking at depth charts, constantly watching games, um, you know, constantly analyzing what a team has done in the off season. So you start to build off that. First and foremost, when you get to the off is is sort of you know the dominoes and the chain effect of a move, you know, and and what that means for a team. For example, the Montreal Canadiens with the, you know, the Emmy offer sheet, him leaving, Philippe Deneau leaving, what that means, what type of holes that produces, who stands to elevate up the lineup. You know, you you take a glance at the American Hockey League players who are potentially ready to go, who are former first round picks and ready to get that promotion to the NHL. So, a lot goes into it, and every year I always have guys who are. You know, prolific sleepers. I think it certainly helps too, looking at other people's lists. The uh, lists, uh, the guys over at NHL Fantasy do a great job. Ditto for Yahoo. I mean, there's so many different entities who provide information. Dauber Hockey is another one that I specifically like as well. Uh, I like the fact that the fantasy hockey community in general, everybody works together and uh, support each other, right? Because at the end of the day, it's a lot of fun. Um, so when I put my list together, I, I can go like 500 deep, but I don't want to go that deep. It just takes way too long.
1: Yeah. That would take <laughs> a hell of a long time. Uh, <laughs> Nick, do you ever, uh, do you ever glance at the comments when you, when you post something? Yeah. Like do people uh, get hung up on the oh, rankings? Dude, I'm reading, Cause them, cause I'm I, I'm reading you, them right I, now. They're hilarious. I imagine as you oh. go
0: along, like the, the rankings become a little less, um, <laughs> I guess nitpicked over probably by yourself. Cause you're like, okay, well, 28 or 29, it's not going to. 228. Make break. This guy's <laughs> not going to read this and get pissed at me, but the fans really get into it, right? Like, how the hell do you got X that X, right? Just getting oh, well, short.
2: Yeah, no, it's, and it's part of the territory. Like, I, it's funny you brought that up, and I'm sure you saw it on social, but like today, like, I put out a top 10 list of rookies to watch, and naturally, here come Ottawa Senators fans. No love, no respect for Shane Pinto. <laughs> um, I, I, I think it just it comes with the territory. If you want to be in the spotlight, if you want to be in media, specifically in hockey, specifically in Toronto and Canada, you know, along with it. And I did cover the Leafs for the couple uh, the last couple of years. You're going to take a lot of heat for doing that. It, it comes with the territory, which is again really really difficult in this day and age of social media. And you talked about it. I think the first thing they told me when I joined Sportsnet full time, do not read the comments on the YouTube videos, <laughs> uh, anything you post, because it's just going to put you. In a terrible headspace, and for everybody who knows me, I'm again, I'm naturally just confident in my ability. I like putting out material, and the way I see it, if there's people compli- complaining and chirping, it means I'm doing something right, whether it comes to radio or anything I do in, in you know, in broadcasting in general, it means I'm doing something right and getting both sides uh, of the conversation. So no, I, I don't really, I stay away from the comments because there's never going to be. It's like anything in life, there's never going to be, you know, a complete. Uh, area of people that are completely happy with stuff like, you know, a perfect example is the vaccine. Like there there's going to be people pro it against it in between. That's just the nature of life, isn't it?
1: Uh, I was wondering if maybe you threw in the towel in your media career and you were, you were starting to sell fake Vax passports on the black market
2: to <laughs> Vander Kane. Oh, buddy, everything is on the table for my life right now. <laughs> I actually sold to Vander Kane. No yeah, well, that's what I'm
1: saying, right? Hey, guys, I'm really good with uh,
0: Xerox, and I'm really good with Adobe Photoshop, so hit me up, right? <laughs> so I guess we, can expect, uh, we, we, get, we shouldn't expect Vander Kane on the ice anytime
2: soon, I guess is what we gathered from that story. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't want to, you know, jump into the Evander Kane. Like, there's, there's certain things, like in broadcasting, I think you got to be very, very careful, you know, what you say. Having said that, again, what we've learned the last little while and what's happened here in the off season, I could stem off my, my final piece for the week coming off to coming out tomorrow on Thursday on Sportsnet.ca uh, regarding five players to potentially avoid in your fantasy drafts and. I think it goes without saying Evander Kane is just somebody I'm not willing and ready to draft at this point in time, considering there's multiple allegations, there's investigations, and he's not even skating with the San Jose Sharks. So I'll answer it that way. I'll say he's not a player I am targeting right now to draft in fantasy hockey, which is a shame because when he's out there... I, I do look at Evander Kane as a, a prolific category coverage monster, a guy who's probably in the eighty to ninety territory overall.
1: Yeah, well he he was uh he fell massively last year after the bankruptcy situation. Yeah. Nobody mm-hmm. wanted him following that. And I remember thinking, you know what? Okay, obviously it's a difficult time in his life. Anyone who's filing for bankruptcy must be having a difficult time. But yeah. at the same time, that has nothing to do with like his ability to just go to the rink and play hockey, right? So mm-hmm. I, I took him like late and I mean I in my one league I was just unbelievable. I had record setting league. Like he helped me win. We have Pims. Uh, in the yeah. league as a category. So he was huge for me. And he, like, it's just a, a big late, late steal. But this time around, I think it could be different. Like I've said, I've made the joke a couple times to say, hey, man, if he's available, and he's playing, I'll draft him just because of how I drafted him late this year. And it worked out for me. But I think I think what he's going through right now versus what he was going through last off season are two different animals.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. Like, to be fair, when I put up my material the last couple days, like, I, you know, you sort of have to put a disclaimer out there and suggest, hey, this is just strictly hockey-related, not dealing with anything uh, outside of hockey right now. Right. And another guy I would bring up is Anthony D'Angelo, is a guy that's, you know, much maligned coming into Carolina. I think in general, in your fantasy drafts, it's integral, late, Ah, uh, in your draft, do you find value? Because I honestly feel like that's how you set your 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 lineup, your team apart from others is the sort of value picks that you make late in your draft. And I'm right there with you. Like, you know, and the, and the, this goes along the lines of of guys who are going to be banged up to start the year, like Yanni Gord or Jack Eichel. Like, if you can find unbelievable value, you know, specifically in a keeper league, you have to take that plunge and deal with whatever comes the way of the situation, right? All mm-hmm. um,
1: All right. So you you mentioned uh, a couple of different files there that you're looking to stay away from. That's you know that was one of the questions I had on on the list here. So um, like is specifically, I was wondering, are you paying attention to like um, the the annual draft
2: position, the ADP or the average average draft position? Yeah a bit. I actually did my first mock on on Yahoo yesterday and I was quite pleased. I mean, obviously I input my own list and you know, you know, it's up for discretion as to how you feel about everybody else's list, but I'm confident in my list and I was able to grab players later than I probably projected them to be grabbed. So, um, you know, ADP does come into to mind, but more so I would say earlier on than later because I think once you get once you get past like 120 125, it's more so guys I believe in. And I really don't care what other people think or where they're drafting them.
1: Right. Okay. So as you um, as you go through the ADP, like is anything sticking out to you? Like there must be a few things that stick out to you and say, oh my god, like this guy is going way too high ADP, or or conversely, uh, you know, this one, this guy's being massively disrespected.
2: Well, a couple of things, obviously, Evgeny Malkin and Jack Eichel are two players that come to mind right away, uh, both injured, clearly, to start the season. I think the amount of disrespect we're seeing for Evgeny Malkin, even, um, you know, the fact that he's likely to miss two months, I, I you know, I think his ADP is around 110. Uh, you know, there's just so much uncertainty surrounding Jack Eichel that his ADP is around 105, 102. Um, I think along the lines you're questioning as well, like, a lot of people seem to be off with the Washington Capitals this season, and I think maybe it's more so because of that division, but I think we sort of forget what they have. I'm expecting a Kuznetsov bounce back this year. I like the Anthony Mantha pick of a last year's deadline. Uh, I think Backstrom's going to have another solid year. I know he's ba- you know injured right now, but uh, Tom Wilson is, is a shocking one for me, and you talk about category coverage, especially if you're in a hits league, a Pims league, uh, a production league. You're going to get the value there from Tom Wilson – you know, I have him around 45 and I saw his ADP doing a mock yesterday around 105, 110. So people aren't bullish on, on Tom Wilson. And, and that, that in lie, you know, in lie runs sort of the risk involved. If you want to make a selection earlier than possible, you know, then you want to. I, I think you have to be confident in in what you're selling and what you're doing. And I, I think, you know, the capitals in general, people seem to be not as bullish as others. And I always say, you know, with pools in general, whether it be regular season, or playoffs like it's it's all subjective on how you feel teams and players are going to look and how they're going to do right like for Mm -hmm. example if you think edmonton's going to be fantastic and you know the goaltending is going to be better than some people think then you're going to have their players rated higher than others like it's it really really is subjective and i think you just got to believe in in your opinions and how you feel
1: were you in that 16 team uh 16 team league uh, that drafted
2: yesterday uh, I was not. Oh, no? no? Oh, what, I was wondering. What league was that?
1: Uh, I think it's is it Jake, I think, is in a league with 16 teams. He was talking oh, about... Oh, yeah. A- that,
2: yeah, that's his other league. That's his other league. No, I'm only doing two leagues this year. I think as of now, there's talk of maybe a third, but I usually do four or five, so... I'm sort of taking a step back potentially this year.
1: Okay, right on. Yeah, when he, when he mentioned on the radio that he was – actually, I think he told us on the pod too. I can't remember where I heard it first, but he said 16-team league, and it was like, oh, my goodness. Like you're basically you're
0: drafting AHL, flying over scraps.
2: <laughs> well, that's, that's where guys like Jake and Tyler Mataraz and myself will crush because we know guys on like the fourth line or guys who are guys who are, you know, able to – or prone to, to sort of get sort of the promotion up lineups, right? Like that's where you have to find a value, and that's where we find the latent drafts.
0: Yeah. I liked your point too about, uh, you know, a lot of times deciding kind of what teams you think are going to be successful or staying away from teams you think might be overvalued or uh, on track for a down year. So I guess I'm what I'm most interested in hearing your opinion on is where are you at with the Kraken? I mean, um, I think we all have a bit of Vegas bias going on as to whether or not we think they're going to be mm-hmm. successful in their first season, but that's kind of uh, an interesting uh, depth chart they have because there's obviously a, a decent amount of talent, but no one, um, you know, the guys playing their top six may not have ever seen top six minutes everywhere else. So, uh, you know, is there any kind of potential home runs you see there? or What, what are you thinking on them overall?
2: Well, that's the thing with Seattle. Like, I, I think people are being very, very careful and analyzing this roster because of a recency thing. What happened last time when they just grossly underrated the Vegas Golden Knights? They go on to be just a really, really powerhouse organization for their first four years. I, I you know, I've watched quite a bit of Seattle here in the preseason. It's still really, really difficult to, to quantify because it is preseason. I can tell you, like, I think they're going to be steady defensively. It goes without saying, like, I like what they did on the back end. And clearly when you have Philip Grubauer, who I think it's easy to forget, was a finalist for the Vesna Trophy last year as a member of the Colorado Avalanche, I think they're good hands. I think Chris Drieger is is a really, really solid backup goalie. Um, You know, even Joey Decord Decord is a three look, like I think is pretty, pretty good. I just look at this roster, the way it's configured up front, and I have my doubts and wonders where the offense is going to come from. I like some of the players don't get me wrong like I think Morgan Geeky is a guy who's got some severe upside in fantasy hockey this season if we're looking for guys like William Carlson who are sort of going to come out of nowhere finally getting promoted and getting that opportunity in their career you know Jared McCann's another guy who showed the last couple of years whether he was Pittsburgh or Florida or Vancouver um, that he's capable of bigger and better things in a better look you know in a top six look and He's going to get every shot in the top six. You know, Jaden Schwartz is another guy who comes by way of the St. Louis Blues free agency. Like, there are players who can do some damage. I just think when when it comes to the nitty gritty, I, I just wonder how they're going to extract um, and provide the offense that you need to be a successful team in this league. I, I love Yanni Gord. Um, I think Yanni Gord, once he comes back and is healthy, I think is going to be the biggest fantasy standout, at least up front for this team. There are some players I'll have a look at, but it's not like I'm going in my draft outside of Grubauer and saying, hey, I'm going to target some Seattle Kraken because I just I look at this roster and hey, I'll I'll be the first to admit I could be completely wrong. I just don't know where the offense is coming from right now.
0: Yeah, I guess the uh, difficulty with the new team as well, and I think a lot of people had this, I recall kind of going through this when Vegas came in the league, was a real wait-and-see mentality. It's like, all right, we'll kind of see how things go, who stands out, who's getting the power play time, you know, who's actually going to be a value, uh, because I think, you know, going into draft day, it's really hard to tell, because if I recall how it went for me, I think I picked up Marcioso, you know, a few weeks in the season when Vegas got really got going, uh, and yep. was able to extract some value there, so it's... Uh, I think it's a wait and see approach might be a bit the best outside of Grubauer. And you're like, I actually forgot that they got him, and that was a huge, huge pickup—probably you know their biggest one—and it wasn't even on the uh, through the draft.
2: Yeah, at the very least, like I think they're going to be again a tough team to play against, and I think the goals against is going to be pretty, pretty good. Uh, you know, famous last words, of course, but I think what you look at what they've comprised in the back end specifically. Vince Dunn was excellent last night in preseason action against Vancouver. Adam Larson, Mark Giordano, I like him as PP one QB. Jamie Alexiak's underrated. They've got depth on that back end, and I wonder down the road if they can parlay that into some prolific skaters up front. But certainly, I think you look uh, forward wise. There's only a couple guys I would take a hit on, at least to my top 250: Jaden Schwartz, Jared McCann, you know Jordan Everly. And of course, as I mentioned, uh, my guy Yanni Hockey, Yanni Gord, uh, once he's healthy, I think he's going to miss the first couple games of the season. But when healthy, I could see him being the 1C for this team. But I think you're so right. Like That's a really, really good way and strategy to look at it from a Seattle perspective. There's no need to reach right now. It's a wait-and-see approach. And once we find out more about this team and they're really going in the season, that's when you pounce on the waiver wire.
1: Yanni Hockey, I like that.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) Um, Aside from
1: aside from fantasy, just quickly, are you buying into the over/under on the Kraken? Have you had a peep at that at ninety two point
2: five? I haven't. um, Now that you tell me it again, I just I don't want to look like an idiot. Although I'm already an idiot, so I got called (laughs) an idiot on social media today. So it's like par for the course. Again, I I just I think they're going to be a competitive team. I think it works in their favor. What their division they're in, like I like vegas far and away is the winner of that division i i think edmonton's good i still can't believe they're coming back with smith and koskinen but so be it uh you know calgary's looking at at, at a competitive roster and a team trying to play hockey from 2007 but the problem is it's 2021 <laughs> Daryl cutter how's that gonna work like, there's a there's a lot more questions of the four divisions um there's a lot more questions um you know i, I should say with with the divisions and there are Um, you know, here with the Pacific Division and how it lays out. So I think Seattle's got a legitimate shot more so based on who's in their division uh, this time around.
1: So you talked about goalies uh, briefly there, um, you know, specifically regarding the Seattle crack. And uh, how about goalies in general? Like, I remember the days, Nick, I'm sure you do, too, where there was just, you know, there was, a bunch of goalies that you could pick. There was a ton of them. And they, Lots of bona fide starters. Yeah, yeah, it was the league of the bona fide starters. And earlier uh in your conversation in your conversation with us, you brought up the point that it's moving to a tandem league. So outside of what, maybe a a handful of goaltenders that are bona fide G1s, are we kind of in a situation now where we have to look at having Several good G twos or a couple of one Bs and hope that they run with something.
2: Well, put it this way: I've been telling people for the last couple of years that it wouldn't be outlandish to house four goalies on your roster. I've been doing it for a couple of years, and I find a lot of success. Uh, you know, I always like to bring up when I when I go on air with Boomer Gordon on NHL Network Radio the fact that back in the day, like in the '90s, where I would draft Marty Bourdieu and I knew what I was getting, and that included 70 to 75 starts a season. He was a top 10 fantasy guy every season. I, I just think the position has become very volatile. I think it's, you know, analytics uh, has become a big part of the conversation as well, and tandems in general. Um, I think this year is no different and it's going to continue to evolve. Uh, you know, Andre Vasilevsky is the top fantasy goalie by a country mile. I have him in my top 10. Uh, as part of my top 250 available on Sportsnet.ca right now, um, you know, and therein lies the wonder. I think with two and three, like I have Robin Leonard, I have Darcy Kemper. Um, Leonard. we know that conversation. Uh, who knows how it works out here with No Mark Andre Fleury there, and and Darcy Kemper uh, has a history of injuries. And Pavel Franco's how much will he play? Will Will other guys in Colorado play? They got multiple goalies there, and that in lies the question. But to your point. Uh, there's only four or five, maybe six bona fide studs left. You know, Connor Hullabue comes to mind. Even Igor Shishorkin is going to be push, uh, pushed, um, I should say, by Alexander Georgiev. Uh, the Islanders have a tandem situation. Marc-Andre Fleury, I know people love to talk about his age, but there's a youngster in the name of Kevin Lankan in there. Is he going to push him? It seems like everywhere there's always sort of a backup waiting in the wings to push, and especially in this day and age, guys, of of analytics, uh, I, I think gone clearly are the days where you're going to see guys play, you know, sixty, sixty-five, obviously seventy times. Like you're probably looking at more more splits than normal in the next couple of years. So speaking of splits, then how about
1: the possible split that may exist between Spencer Knight and Sergey Bobrovsky? Everybody seems to be wanting to rush out and draft yeah. Spencer Knight. I I haven't checked in the last maybe forty-eight hours, but I think earlier on in the week, Nick. Um, Spencer Knight was actually being drafted higher than Bobrovsky uh, per the ADP. I don't know if that's changed, but I thought that was shocking. And, I mean, you just have to imagine that Florida is going to at least give Bob more than enough opportunity and leash to find something there. And, you know, Spencer Knight is is a young goalie. We've seen other young goalies in this league come in light the league on fire for a brief period of time, and then take a step back a la Carter Hart. We'll talk about him in a second as well. Uh, But what are your thoughts uh, in the, in the Florida paint?
2: Yeah, this is a national hockey league. I think it's easy to forget that. And that's a really astute point to bring up because I I think, you know, obviously everybody likes the new toy Spencer Knight. What had six appearances last year, look really, really sound has an excellent hockey team in front of him. Um, I could draw a lot of similarities to Carter Hart in Philadelphia a year ago, right? The fact that Philadelphia was looked at as a team that was a serious contender and they were massively um, you know, disappointing. Uh, I'm not going to say it's going to be to that extent with Spencer Knight, but I think anytime there's a young goalie, this kid's just 20, you have to temper the, the expectation. And then on top of that, you mentioned Sergey Bobrovsky. There's, there's no way you're paying a guy $10 million bucks to, to ride pine for X amount of games. So expensive I think, ball hat. Yeah, like exactly. Like I, I think people suggesting Spencer Knight is the guy rated right a camp. I get that, and maybe he starts the first game, but I think you're looking more at a split than anything else. You have a veteran head coach in Joel Quenville. You have a team ready who thinks they're they're willing and able to win the Stanley Cup right now. And you got to think about the long term, you know, position of this goaltender, not stripping of of his confidence. And again, it gets back to the Bobrovsky conversation. You pay this guy so much money at this point, you have to play him. I think this is a big year for Sergei Bobrovsky. He's got to a prove that he can still play in this league and be a quality enough goalie. Or they got to cut ties and just stomach the buyout, whatever that's going to be, because he he's been. That that signing in general was just awful, and granted, it was it was deal talent and talent, excuse me, and that brain trust who who made the signing, but it just hasn't looked any better as the years have gone by, and there's still plenty of racetracks still left in it. So, um, I, I would temper expectations with Spencer Knight. I think I have him um, around 95, 96 in my rankings. I know Yahoo and others have him uh, you know 20 spots or so lower. I think you just have to be careful because he's just really, really young. There's going to be some ups. There's going to be some downs. And I think it's really difficult – and there's a reason why it's 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 been a long, long time since a guy like Mark Andre Fleury stormed in this league and just dominated from the beginning. So, yeah. what do
1: you think about a timeshare? Is that something that you, or sorry, not a timeshare. I meant like um, what I meant to say was a handcuff, like having both goaltenders, Spencer Knight and Bobrovsky. Is that something that you're interested in doing, or would you, you know, warn people against staying away from
2: handcuffing yourself for two positions? I, I like. I in general, I like handcuffing. I just. I had Bobrovsky last year. I I just, he's just, you have no clue what to expect. Like one game, it'll be 2-1. The next game, it'll be 6-5. I just think there's a route you can go to get a better third goalie or a fourth goalie than Sergei Bobrovsky. He's just not a guy I want on my roster long-term because the unpredictability, And, and that's my other wonder. I know Florida gets Aaron Ekblad, and, back and they get Sam Reinhardt but from a defensive standpoint like they still got a lot to do to improve themselves and be looked at as one of the better upper echelon teams defensively I think there's going to be some turbulent times um, you know whoever is in between the pipes so I just be careful with Sergey Bobrovsky I like him as more of a streamer look than a guy who's on my roster long term
0: I gotta feel there's got to be some growing pains there in Florida I think there has been over the last several years I mean I feel like Every year I've been telling anyone who will listen that, oh, Florida's turning the corner this year. This is their year. and But I think a large part of that is going to have to be on the back of Bobrovsky. They're going to need him to have a season like they signed him for. I think if they're going to really not just be that bubble playoff team, but be that team that actually makes some noise pushes in the upper part of the Atlantic division and kind of tease themselves up for a nice playoffs. But I guess Spencer Knight, I feel like is a little more of insurance. You know, if Bobrovsky does blow up, they do have somebody who can, you know, offset the pressure, take some starts away from him. Um, I did want to ask you as well about uh, some guys in their contract years. I know that's always kind of an interesting point in fantasy is uh, and, and some that, you know, people might miss is that, hey, this guy's due for a payday, so he's going to show up this year. Uh, Is there anybody you have on your radar for that? And I guess one name in particular I'm I'm most interested in hearing about is Patrick Liney being in his new surroundings that so far has not really gone well for him.
2: Yeah, I'm definitely willing to take the plunge uh, further ahead than most people on Patrick Liney. I just think it's really, really tough to score goals in the NHL and I think the guy's just a natural and I like the fit maybe with Jake Borchek, So certainly a guy I would be looking at. You know, Mika Zabanajad's going to get paid. He's already a higher talent. I think you're looking for names lower down the list. Like Philip Forsberg is a guy I'm really bullish about this season. I actually have him ranked 61. I think most people have him ranked around 120, 140. Oh, Even wow. in preseason, he just looks like a different player, guys. So I'd watch out for Philip Forsberg this season in Nashville. I always like to say somebody's got a score. and I think Forsberg's just going to be a guy who's more so a bounce-back candidate. I think it's so easy to to forget in the fantasy world like what happened a couple years back, but Philip Forsberg has been a prolific fantasy contributor for many years. So he's a well I'm willing to go to. Uh, Tomasz Tomas is another guy with the San Jose Sharks. I think um, you know connecting the dots, it sounds likely he's going to have a new team by the trade deadline, so we'll see where that situation goes. Another guy sort of on my periphery is Riley Smith with the Vegas Golden Knights, I think looking to put himself in position to get paid in the offseason. Uh, Ricard Raquel is another name I would throw out there. I'm also bullish on John Klingberg. I'm curious to see how it works out in Dallas with with Klingberg and Haskinen and, and certainly what they're paying some of those guys. I just wonder... If they're going to have the money to pay Klingberg, and they probably won't, but I think he's primed for, uh, you know, a big season. Uh, Vinny Trocheck's another guy. I think naturally you got to look at names like Johnny Goodrow and uh, Alex Radulov comes to mind as well. Phil Kessel's a deeper look as well. It's just money motivation. Players are hungry, and they seem to step up to the table when it matters most. And I'd look at that no differently for for some of these guys. And. Um, you know, the last guy I would throw as well clearly is going to be a top pick is is Darcy Kemper as well. So there's a variety of routes and and that's certainly another aspect of of how I put my projections together is sort of the motivation and where the contracts are at for some of these guys.
1: Well, I'm right with you there, Lesko, on the Patrick Liney thing. I think it's just fascinating to to see. I mean, I can't wait to see what he's going to do. I mean, it's either going to be great or it's going to be terrible. I don't think there's going to be anything in the middle. He's either going to score 43 goals or 18 you know, and that's it. Um, another one I wanted to see where you were at, Nick. I don't think he was all necessarily always like a super high draft pick, fantasy contributor anyways, but I just wanted to pick your brain on what you're feeling about Jonathan Taves and, and his return uh, to the Chicago Blackhawks. Obviously, some new faces, some veteran presence now in between the pipes with Marc-Andre Fleury. You get Seth Jones on the back end. Uh, you got Jonathan Taves returning. Patrick Kane is obviously going to be Patrick Kane again. Um, what, are, what are we expecting out of, out of Jonathan Taves? Or, or what do you think is gonna is, uh, is he going to bring to the table
2: this year? It's a really good question. Like, so far, I think he's exceeded my expectations as to what to expect from a player who's missed an entire season of NHL hockey in the midst of a pandemic with an illness. Like, I think it's pretty damn impressive, but are we shocked it's Jonathan Taves? I think in general, the composition of that Hawks lineup is intriguing to me. Kirby Dock is a guy I've identified as potentially a sleeper target this season, but it sounds like he's starting on the third line and fascinating enough. It sounds like Tyler Johnson is going to start the year as a number one C and those are the prime. That's the prime spot in the Hawks lineup. If you're looking for value because he slated to play with Alex to and Patrick Kane by far the two best fantasy guys uh, on Chicago. So from a taste point of view, I think he's probably going to be slotted alongside Dominic Kubalik, who could have another, um, you know, steady step this season, and I wouldn't be shocked if Kirby Doc finds his way on that second line uh, eventually. It looks like it's going to be Philip kuryshev to start this season. Um, so I think Chicago is constantly looking for depth. Um, again, it's easy to forget a couple years back, but I remember going into last season, I had Jonathan Taves around 100, and I don't see why he can't get back to that conversation of being a guy around 100 to 120. It's very, very dependent on who he plays with, and I wonder for Chicago. Uh, a team that's trying to better themselves defensively. If they look at Taves, and granted, he gets paid lots of money, has a great track record, to take on more of a defensive role than he has in the past, which he already is playing, and sort of takes the weight and the load off him offensively a bit more. But again, it's Jonathan Taves would not be shocked if he comes back and sort of uh, takes off where he left off before he got uh, got sick.
1: Yeah, and I mean, call me crazy, but I, I I'm ready to, you know, Get on board with some with some yeah. Blackhawks players in my fantasy league leagues. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think I'm necessarily going to be reaching for anyone, but when I'm going through the available players, like I think one of the teams that I'm gonna, you know, how you can sort by position, you can sort by yeah. team. I think a few times when when I'm six or seven picks away, I'm gonna find myself just pulling up the Blackhawks roster. Who's been picked from there? Okay, obviously Kane is gone, DeBrinket is gone, uh, you know, Jones is gone, Fleury is gone. Okay, fine, like. But there he is, sitting right there, Johnson, ready to go. You know, Kubalik. There he is. Like I might be ready to jump on those guys. Uh, you know, when the time is right. The other thing about Chicago, uh, I tried to pull up their schedule quickly, but bad podcasting on my behalf. But they play, <laughs> they play a lot on Sunday. I don't know if that's going to continue yeah. um, in big. this season. But yeah. they're they're infamous for for playing on Sundays, and those are huge. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think those are their home dates, actually, or Sunday nights, and that's why like every team's got a specific uh, night or a couple nights where they likely play their home games when they map up the schedule. I know Chicago, for a fact, play usually at home at the UC on Sunday nights, and and that's important uh, for a variety of reasons. Among them is sort of schedule manipulation. One of those things I certainly preach and I'm high on if you're in head-to-head leagues is, is you know, targeting teams with uh, you know X amount of games usually four in a week and play on Sundays you want players on your roster if you're looking at some waiver streams who play on quiet nights and certainly I think when you look at an NHL schedule even with 32 teams more times than not Sundays gonna have uh, you know not as many games clearly as like Thursdays and and Saturdays so I think you can find a lot of value in Chicago I just You have to be fair with that team. Like they're rebuilding, they're retooling. They think they could be a playoff team, but then you look at that division, and you still have some wonders and some doubts. And then you have to take into account too. Like Seth Jones got a lot of money. There's got to be pressure. Like we're all humans, guys. There's got to be pressure. We're getting paid that much money and going to a new team and having the expectation of the world on you. And I'm just, I'm very curious because I like the move quite a bit uh you know i commend the player and the the agent for getting that contract it's just a lot to live up to and i think there's a lot of pressure there to succeed
1: right on nick well listen man last one that i have for you well last couple here first and foremost matthews at four i feel like you did that for me you did it for me right (laughs) i i you didn't text me and ask me but you did it for me so i'll thank you personally i like to see that um What, what exactly, you know, McKinnon at two. Okay. I I didn't want to pick apart your, your top five, but that's where, that's where the interesting conversation is, right? Like a lot of people believe that the conversation doesn't really start until you get to three. You go Connor, you go Leon, and then we can argue. Uh, You've slid McKinnon in there. Now, was that just to kind of create some controversy or do you really believe that McKinnon is going to be a better fantasy play than Leon Dreisaitl
0: this year?
2: Yeah, no controversy intended here. Like uh, to me it's tomato tomato. Uh, um, I, I think back and we're back in more normal times if you want to call it that. Nathan McKinnon following this season is prime for a contract extension and I think the player and the agent and everybody involved knows I have an unbelievable season. I'm looking at maybe um, you know a monster lucrative contract whatever that looks like. That could be be near, you know, a Connor McDavid. I think we're at that conversation with Nathan McKinnon. There's motivation behind him. I love the line mates in that aspect with Landis and Ranton, kill McCarr exposure. Uh, and that's taking nothing away from Edmonton. But I'm curious to see if the Oilers are looking to find depth, you know, uh, in their top nine up front and what that means when it comes to McDavid and Drysaddle playing together full time. But I do think it's tomato-tomato. Um, I know from looking at ADP, more people are looking at Drysaddle at two and McKinnon at three. and I'll be fine taking either at that position, and maybe it helps because Drysettle is dual position eligible. But uh, I, I've, I own McKinnon in in a keeper league. I've been in love with him for a long, long period of time, and I've got no problem taking Nathan McKinnon over Drysettle. All right, might
0: be uh, putting you on the spot here, Nick. But uh, how did Zach Hyman's migration from the Maple Leafs over to his uh, new cushier or uh, <laughs> equally cushy spot? In the Edmonton lineup, does that did that affect his ra- ranking for you?
2: Oh, for sure. And I, I think a lot of people naturally who live here, at least in Canada, are going to be horny about this situation and say like Hyman's going to be a top fifty fantasy player. I still think you have to uh, temper your expectations just because a player was brought in to play with X player doesn't mean it's always going to work out that way. And I'm sure the Oilers are going to have a couple different looks. Now, you know, he he had a lot of success playing with Matthews and. And Marner, but I, I think you look at the track record of Connor McDavid. Um, he, he doesn't like, he's played with so many different players. Connor McDavid's just really, really good. There's my analysis of the night. I don't really put as much stock into who he plays with, if that makes sense. Um, Cause I think you even like to compare it to last year. Zach Hyman was a guy I think entered the season around, you know, 180, 185 in terms of uh, top 250 look and the motivation was there in a contract year and had an unbelievable season. I, you know, I'm not saying he's not going to replicate that, but I think you've got to be fair in knowing that Zach Hyman is more of a, a grinder, Chris Draper, Kirk Mull type than he is an, a prolific guy that you're going to lean on in fantasy hockey to produce night in and night out. Like He's going to have his moments. The attachment economy, David, doesn't hurt, but... I can't go out on the limb and say I'm taking Hyman like 70th or 85th. Uh, like I have him around 115 and I think that's fair value for him.
0: Right, right. But if he makes Team Canada, then he's basically the second coming of Chris Kunitz as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> he's not going to Team Canada. Come on. <laughs> yeah, of course. I'll.
2: Imagine he makes it over like Mitch Marner.
0: Oh, God, man. Okay, so funny story
1: about Zach Hyman and Team Canada. I have a bet on the line that Zach Hyman at least is on the plane. That's my bet. Wow. That's my bet is that he's is that he's on the plane.
2: Uh, and I just go ahead, Nick. No, like I, the only way I could see that, and you're so right, like the Kunitz attachment to Crosby, is yes. that if McDavid's like, dude, you gotta bring this 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 Hyman guy, he's my guy. But exactly. I just I don't see it with the amount of of luxury names marquee names involved in that conversation to play with Mick David that he's really going to die on that hill of Zach Hyman with all due respect
1: yeah I I agree and and I made sure that like I was not ever going to enter into a bet where Zach Hyman is on Team Canada playing uh, top line mm-hmm. left wing with Connor McDavid in all the elimination games. I said I could just see him getting an like getting an invite to camp based on the strength of you know doing good yeah. work with Matthews and then continuing it on if he does with uh, with McDavid this season getting an invitation to camp bringing that kind of intangible that you know they love to see and then he ends up he ends up on a taxi squad, you know, that's kind of, that's what I'm holding out for, but we'll see. I might be out some extra cash.
2: Yeah, good luck with that. Um, (laughs) I I, I see what you're saying and we love that conversation. It was on TSN after the season that uh, Hyman had. I get it, but I just, you look at the depth specifically up front for Canada and like there's a legit possibility that names like John Tavares and Tyler Sagan and Steven Samkos are going to be in the bubble to make this team. Just think about that. That's
1: crazy. Well, the turnover is crazy, man. Uh, but listen, Nick, well, listen that. That's all for us tonight, my friend. I mean, we, we've exhausted all our fantasy questions that we have for you. I, I don't think you've said you haven't drafted yet, eh, in any leagues or have you had one? so far
2: no no drafts yet i did a mock yesterday on yahoo i've got a draft monday or two drafts on monday and and that's it i'm only in two leagues uh tentatively could be in a third but uh we'll see what comes to fruition I, i tend to draft as late as possible because as you guys know things just happen so quickly and stuff changes uh on a dime in this league
1: yeah absolutely i agree with that i agree with that some guys in my league wanted to draft like earlier this week or on the weekend Ridiculous. and I was like yeah. are you guys kidding me like no yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. first of all yeah. I have Brady Kachuk on my team and he is exactly he's <laughs> one of my keepers and I, I don't M-I-A. think I don't think I have to flip on that hey eh? what what's what's your advice give me some help Nick as my buddy what like I gotta keep him hey ah. eh? like I can't just put him back to the draft can I
2: it's a keeper league like I gotta keep him. yeah and that's the thing with Kachuk like you've been monitoring social over the last couple of months everybody is is fired up about brady kachuk and fantasy hockey and i get it um the guy wants a billion dollars a year i think he's yet to score 60 points in this league so uh <laughs> i think from a category coverage uh perspective he does a lot of good things shoots the puck hits uh, penalty minutes yeah. provides offense like he ticks a lot of boxes and that's why people are really bullish on him but i, I just it's it's so hard to you know to quantify because it's the Ottawa Senators and we just know their track record of being unwilling to, to budge when it comes to financials and saving every penny they can so uh, on one token uh, it, it's got to be the players saying you know what fine we'll 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 kick this down the road and talk later on but on the other hand I could be the see the Kachuk family saying you know what we could push this rate right till December 1st ala Willie Elander and and we're fine with missing the season if we have to
1: I know that was one of Lesko's favorite conversations when the William when the William <laughs> oh. Nylander saga was going on. Every st- week for three months Every when week. we started this damn show. He's like, mm-hmm. I don't want to talk about it anymore. I said, well, unfortunately, we have to.
0: <laughs> Obligated to do it, right? Yeah. There's just no way
1: around it, you know? So anyways, listen, man, thanks so much for joining us, Nick. Uh, fans listening to the show, good luck in your, in your drafts. Hopefully Nick was able to steer you in the right direction. Uh, you can find Nick on Twitter. Twitter at the golden muzzy and uh, I'll take it right from your bio Nick will be right back because he he is a friend of the show the friend of the puck pod show here and I'm sure he'll be back uh, maybe later on during the season or perhaps just before playoffs maybe Nick we can bring you on we can do some fantasy stuff for uh, for the playoffs how's that sound
2: Sounds good. It's causing a stir, so again, I know I'm doing something right in my bio. <laughs> awesome, dude.
1: All right, well, thanks again for joining us, man. You uh, have a great Thanksgiving weekend. Enjoy your time with your family and your loved ones. Stay safe, and we'll uh, enjoy Puck Drop next week, my friend.
2: My pleasure, fellas. Have a good night. Take care. Thanks for having me.
1: Thanks, Nick. All right, well, there he goes, Nick Alberga, right fantasy
0: on. guru for Sportsnet.ca. He'll be right back. He'll be right back, yeah. I have an announcement to make, by the way. You do? Yeah, I figured I'd... I'd Leave this till the end of the episode. Okay, I'm you're, not. I'm you're... retired from fantasy. What? Why? I I I turned down leagues this year. I'm not doing it. Why? So so here's the thing. I'm doing like fantasies, pretty like, not should say hardcore leagues, but like you know good money leagues for five years now. I won the first year I played, and since then it's been a miserable experience for me. And I'm just... I'm in just what way? Like,
1: like, you draft and you lose? I or just... Like-
0: well, draft and losing, like, just just typical fantasy stuff that drives me probably more nuts than the average person. Oh, I picked up this guy, dropped this guy, um, my buddy scooped him, and he's got fucking three Hatties in two weeks. Okay. Shit like that seems to happen to me all the time. And I know everyone's thinking, yeah, that's me too. Like, you drop a guy, and of course he goes out and scores two goals that night. You know? Just... I don't know. It's just, I. it's like I needed to admit to myself that I'm just bad at it. Bad at fantasy. I'm bad at it and I don't enjoy it. And it's weird because I follow hockey so closely, but even to take that time to like put into it to do a good job. Because I found last year at a certain point, I just, and that was in a short season too, <laughs> where I was like, not paying enough attention or he forgot you dressed your lineup, guy on the bench gets a hattie. Shit like that happens, and it's so fucking frustrating. And all you do is sit there and you're like, I'm an idiot. I'm I so stupid. <laughs> I can't believe... Like beating the shit out of myself over forgetting to set my lineup and shit like well, that. Well, that's bad. That's yes. just
1: a fucking poor manager oh, yeah. there. But like, I can't believe we 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 teed up this big fantasy show with the SportsNet Fantasy Guru, friend of the show Nick Alberga, great guy, knows his shit. And you wait until the well, appropriately, you wait until the end of the episode to drop a bomb that you don't even give a fuck about fantasy. At all. I'm not doing any of this year. <laughs> you should have just
0: texted me and said,
1: you can run this show
0: with me. Do it yourself. You can Do it yourself. I don't give a fuck about fantasy. But listen,
1: I can tell you right now, you take you take a couple of years off, okay? take a couple of years off yeah. reset because I am having an expansion draft in okay. my pool and I've already told you that you have to be in it I want the like, sweetheart deal like
0: Vegas you have to be in it okay there's
1: just no way around it like if we're we've got the podcast right, we're going right. you know established 2018. I will reconsider
0: it I will like Michael Jordan the situation when the time comes
1: because we're, we're we're at 10 now and everyone knows the ideal league standard league's 12 team league right like right. that's the standard ideal league Uh, bar that you want to go for like yeah sure you can have 14 12 15 whatever 16 league for jake on and tyler matter big league big leaguers there but uh yeah i want to get to a 12 team league and i want to have you in it because we're you know during the season we're going to be right here across the ping pong table from one another uh and we'll it just adds a little bit extra i feel to to our show you know to be able to talk fantasy and maybe swindle some trades here on the pucks and deep podcast but uh Man, let me tell you, Nick's just got that loaded right in the chamber, doesn't he?
0: Yeah, I mean he's he he goes. It's almost boring.
1: It must be boring.
0: I don't know. That's the thing. And and he didn't really give us a number. And I think we asked him last time he was on the show too. We're like, How many fucking hits have you done last week? Because at this point in time, especially, you know, fantasy preview time, like he's doing he's probably done at least a dozen podcasts in the last week. He's probably done 20-plus radio hits. He's doing his articles and all that kind of stuff and all the other engagement that he works on. So Crazy. Got to be an exhausting time. I'm not surprised, actually, that he said that he he started that uh, list back in playoffs because why the hell not? Because a lot of it is pretty straightforward. Fill in the blanks. I yeah. mean, you have your list of players. It's almost like ordering them. But
1: 250 is a lot.
0: That's a lot, yeah. It's a lot of players. But and I that's think- for deep drafts because you got to think, the average draft, I mean, you're not going – you're not going outside the top 100 usually with, with the guys you're picking up. Maybe right. maybe into the 150s, potentially. Right.
1: All right, man. Well, listen, I'm playing you off like the fucking Oscars Go here. ahead.
0: Dude, I think that was like... You want
1: to hear me chirp fantasy hockey anymore? One of our first shows when I just played our outro and you were like, Well, you're fucking playing me off like the Oscars, <laughs> man. I'm telling you. Uh, for any of Good our... callback joke. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, for any of our newer Pucks in Deep podcast fans, I would highly recommend that you... You know take a trip down memory lane go check out some of our early shows i actually fell down the rabbit hole not that long ago let go i went and listened to some of our earlier shows and like it's pretty fun man like we're just you can tell that we're like new but you can also tell that we were really interested in like making it be good if you know what i'm saying yeah. like we weren't just like there wondering how this was going to be like we bought stuff we spent our money on it We got a subscription to upload the podcast, and we really tried. And you can hear that. You can hear that we're really trying. And as it goes on, I mean, we just get a little bit more comfortable with
0: it, and we're more relaxed, right? Like a little, a little less rigid. And about like, I know we put a lot of focus in 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 prep early on, and we still do because we want to make sure that we have, you know, our our jumping off points and stuff like that. But yeah, it's definitely a little more free flowing, a little less structured for sure. I think it's just like you said. It comes with the territory, being comfortable and feeling a little, bit, a little bit better behind the mic. So,
1: Well, I'm feeling better behind the mic after two episodes this week. Hope you guys liked it. Pucks and Deep Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at PuckPod, at Coleman42, at Lesko Adam. Find Nick Alberga, Sportsnet Fantasy Guru, at The Golden Muzzy. We're going to be back next week. We're doing a live show for opening night on Wednesday. Don't miss it. Get your beers, get your joints, get whatever you want get in there. We'll see you guys then.